arkadaşlarımız. Hepinizi saygıyla selamlıyoruz. Blok zincir tabanlı sistemler kullanılarak GBS veri tabanlı süreçleri süreçlerinin verimliğinin artırılması çalışmalarına hoş geldiniz. Türkiye'nin üyesi olduğu bakanlığımız stratejik araştırmalar ve verimlilik genel müdürlüğü tarafından sekreter hizmetleri yürütülmekte olan Asya Verimlilik Teşkilatı teknik uzmanlık hizmetleri kapsamında iki çok kıymetli ABT uzmanımız tecrübelerini bizlerle e, paylaşmak üzere aramızdalar. E, dear Mr. Andy Lian and Rajesh Kudu. We, uh, we are watching now. I would like to introduce uh, you intergovernmental blockchain expert, best-selling book author, investor board member, and keynote speaker, Mr. Andy Lian. The stage is yours. Hi, a very good afternoon, everybody. It's me again. Um, the workshop session uh, one, I will be looking at the basic principles of uh, blockchain database concept. So this is a continuity from the morning session that I had with, uh, with some of our colleagues here. So a brief introduction about myself. Um, I'm a book author. I have uh, written two books. So far, they are pretty much selling very well. Um, the latest one was about uh, NFT. So far, I had about 10,000 books uh, sold. I'm a licensed fund manager, so if you look at the Singapore uh, uh, Monetary Authority, you could find the firm, the, the company that I am uh, representing. I'm also the Chief Digital Advisor to Mongolia Productivity Organization. Um, I give advice to them about how they could digitize their economy. I was also the uh, ex-blockchain uh, advisor to Asian Productivity Organization. So I reach out to a lot of different uh, government, I reach out to a lot of different ministry, government invested companies and so forth. I started doing that in 2018, and to be very honest, you know, right in the very beginning, a lot of governments are all very skeptical about what blockchain can do. They are very skeptical about what cryptocurrency is going to be like. So for myself, I took a lot of time and effort to speak to them, and I believe that in Asia, I'm one of the first few who are actually advocating uh, cryptocurrency directly to different governments. Um, right now, I'm also an, an advisor to a Bybit exchange. It's a cryptocurrency exchange, currently um, ranked world number three. We have more than 10 billion of uh, transactions on a daily basis. Uh, I was also the uh, board member of uh, Hyundai, the car manufacturing brand. I hold a PhD in productivity science, and I always like to uh, challenge myself with my new theories. You know, like to exchange thoughts with uh, fellow colleagues and friends. You know, and especially today in this current context, I want to emphasize again. You know, this is just what I want to present. You know, there are a lot of uh, things 
that we should talk about together, you know, in a, in a separate session, to see how we could implement blockchain, how we can look at blockchain in a different manner, and how you can con maybe con continuously learn about the technology and how different technology can fuse together. So if you also Google my name, you know, I'm, uh, I'm in various uh, publications, most of it that you know from Forbes to uh, TechCrunch to uh, CN, CNA and so forth, you can find my name and my comments. Um, I like to share, you know, so, so this is where I am. So this is uh, just a quick glimpse uh, of the book. This is uh, published in 2018 by Korean uh, largest publisher. And then this was published uh, last year um, with the good mindset of trying to share, you know. Because when I published this last year, you know, NFT is actually going all the way down. I do this because a lot of my friends who are companies, big companies, you know, they are giving a lot of uh, consultancy fees to different experts, and a lot of these costs are not necessary. So the book itself is trying to teach them how they could use NFT to help them with their business, and how they could use NFT to further their journey, you know, in, in talking to their community, to their buyers, to create more stickiness. So, other context is, um, you know, within Binding itself, I'm also managing the Red Bull account, Red Bull Racing account. So Red Bull Racing, for example, they are doing a lot of different uh, Web3 uh, initiatives. So all these will come from uh, my end. So if you, if you look at um, the TV, you, you saw F1, you saw Red Bull, and they're talking about Web3. These are all done by, by myself and my, my good team. So this is a quick word from myself. Blockchain is just it's not just a technology, it's a paradigm shift that can transform many aspects of uh, society, economy, governance, and whatever you can think about, you know. Because many of my friends, they will say that, oh, you know, blockchain is, is kind of useless, you know. Um, there are, some of them are activists, you know, some of them they are in climate change and so forth, but one of, one of them actually uh, adopted blockchain technology. They are not a believer, you know, but they used the blockchain technology, created a DAO, and within the civil society, and trying to advocate, you know, trying to, you know, fight for, for, for things, trying to lobby some stuff and so forth, and, and blockchain technology is actually embedded in, into, into the DAO, into the, the civil society as well. You know, so there's a lot of uh, use cases that, that we will see. I will share with them in the subsequent days. So what is a blockchain database? You know, it's a database um, that uses blockchain technology to store and manage data. It combines the benefit of traditional database and uh, added on with uh, new insights such as uh, transparency, um, decentralization. So, so please do not see blockchain database as a rocket science. You know, I spoke to many of you um, separately. You have to think with a very simple mind. There are always ways that you can integrate a new technology to your existing technology. There's no need for you to change your, your database into a blockchain database just for the sake of changing it. You know, some consultants will tell you to do that, to be very honest, because they, they are after the consultancy money. 
development money. But in, in order for you to be very, very efficient, you know, you should try to tokenize part of your process, not the full process. So if you Google my name again uh, and together with APO, I've done up a, uh, one, one of these uh, courses. Um, I think there's like eight or nine modules. It, it will tell you when you should use blockchain and when you should not. There's a very clear flow chart on how the whole process is like. The course is free. Please, if you, if you have time, you can Google that. So in the blockchain, database data is organized into blocks which are linked together with cryptographic hashes to form a chain. Then each block will contain very specific um, data entry and once this is added, it is tamper proof, it is permanent. Right? Again, this is also with the pretext that you know the blockchain is well distributed and not just with two person, right? So this is how it's, it's been defined. So unlike the traditional database where central authority or administrator can control, blockchain database are decentralized, maintained by a network of participants and, and nodes. Again, this context fits very clearly into a public blockchain. Alright? If you are looking at it from a private blockchain, there are things that you need to change, there are things that you need to tweak a bit, but Fundamentally, this is the definition. So the key characteristic of a blockchain database include immutability. So once the block is added <coughs> to the blockchain, it is extremely difficult to alter or delete. I use the word extremely difficult is because actually it's possible to add it, to be very honest. It really depends on how distributed your whole blockchain is like. And then the, the hashes will be the one linking the blocks to ensure integrity, to ensure security, <coughs> to make sure that everything is all jumbled together. Second characteristic will be transparency. You, know, you can see transactions, you can see each of the participant activities. If allowed, it can all be seen on the blockchain. This thing goes the same with uh, cryptocurrency, for example. You know, you might be going, you might be meeting some cryptocurrency guy and you think they have a hundred million, right? All these things can be checked, right? You can check online, you can check the blockchain, you can check the hashes to, to, to link this back to the person, and, and all these things are traceable, you know? This is how, how transparent things are, are, are like. Is decentralized, you know, means that the nature of the database has no single entity. Participant collectively validate, maintain the integrity. So it's very straightforward. Security, it has a high level of security using uh, algorithm. The, all the transactions and data stored are protected from unauthorized access and also from unauthorized usage and so forth. So everything can still be controlled but this can be controlled through a consensus model. And it's all on a distributed ledger, so database are often referred to a distributed ledger because database is uh, distributed in multiple nodes. Um, of course, each node maintains a copy of database creating redundancy, uh, but also resilience and avoid a single point of failure. So it's all distributed. This is 
the core characteristics of how blockchain database is going to be like. So, blockchain versus database. I think this is a this is a very good question that I saw from the program. I'll try my best to answer that uh, in, in the best manner. And of course, uh, as of uh, this morning, I, I showed you a lot of different graphs, charts, tables, and so forth. This is uh, another one. So if you look at blockchain control over data, blockchain has decentralized control over the data, while the traditional database has centralized control. All right, this is a very common characteristic that we have talked about. Administrator, blockchain does not require an administrator as the exact same copy is maintained at each node in the, in the network. While a traditional one is maintained by administrator, single form of control. History, in, uh, in blockchain, there is a real-time information, but it allows one to track the history of transaction. You know, right from the start, what is being changed, everything is on chain. Whereas the traditional database, they only present information and not possible to trace as far behind as you know. Because all this, uh, perhaps a fair bit of redundancy. Performance, uh, blockchains have slow performance compared to a digital transaction technology. That is 100% true. But of course, uh, within the blockchain itself, we can implement uh, layer tools, for example, that will also help improve the speed. But these are all things that are built on top of the, the, the blockchain. And then uh, for traditional uh, database, uh, they outperform the blockchain in, in, in all performance. You know, I've spoke to a few of you talking about the ESI uh, ecosystem. You have seven terabyte of uh, data. To be very honest, if you want performance, high performance, then the traditional database would actually be a very, very good choice. But if you want certain parts of your data to be on-chain, because it's more valuable, you need a certain level of verification, yes, blockchain is suitable for that small part, small part of, um, of the whole ecosystem. Uh, data integrity, I think blockchain is impossible uh, to be hacked or attacked uh, in theory. Um, traditional database, they, are, they can be taken, they can be hacked, they can be changed. That's, that's, that's how the traditional database arrives. Operation of the transaction in the blockchain, it is only possible to read and add data to the blockchain. But in the traditional, you can read, write, update, delete, and everything will be gone, you know, if you, if you don't really do proper backup and so forth. Different ways to create blockchain database. So this is also, a, there, are, there are many different ways, but I want to share with you how I think about it, you know, in the easiest manner. So database deployment in an enterprise or consulting, you know, it is important to determine whether the database will be used on an enterprise or on a consulting level. In some cases, it may be possible that the enterprise is using blockchain internally for data storage and act as a centralized a central authority. And in this case, uh, the blockchain database is decentralized. It is the majority of cases. Blockchain operates in the consortium and there's no single uh, control. Data usage, the second most important factor to consider is how the data will be used. Operational data is the data used directly by the clients, connecting 
to the database. For example, cryptocurrency where there are no intermediaries, non-operational data is the one that can be accessed immediately. So you have to differentiate the different kind of data, what is it used for. And if you can do that, then it will be very straightforward. Considering the, the, the above two factors, there are four possible ways to create a um, blockchain database. So there are four in my humble opinion. One centralized with operational data, operational blockchain data stored with enterprise. So these are a certain level of centralization that simplifies the whole process. These are some of the things that we, we look at. You know, I will definitely share the slides with you because there's a lot of content that you want to digest. You know, but if you look at some of these kind of characteristics, it, it prevents uh, outside clients to access the data. You know, the deployment provides a third party audit with a solid track record and so forth. So there's a certain level of uh, centralization in this uh, first one. Second one is centralized with non-operational data, non-operational blockchain data stored with enterprise. So these are, this, in this case, um, it is maintained by a limited number of administrators. You know, we, so in this type of blockchain database, the data is not accessed directly by the client. All right? Clients connect with the data-based instances to return, connect, and offload part of the data. I think this fits fairly clearly to some of uh, the government uh, organizations, depending on what kind of data they want to extract and what kind of data they want to, you know, want to put together, right? Since data is only accessible to a limited number of clients, so this method adds more privacy to the whole blockchain database. Third model decentralized with operational data, operational blockchain data stored with consortium. So in this deployment scenario, a consortium is created to remove the need of a single entity to control the database. The consortium can be made up of multiple uh, databases. This approach ensures the database is decentralized. All companies act as individual nodes and tasks are responsible for maintaining the, the database. You know, when we when we were in uh, uh, Ankara, you know, within the ministry office, we have actually also talked about this. It fits nicely to some of the scenario that we have uh, we have um, uh, brainstormed, and then decentralization increases the immunity of the whole data. So supply chain management, some of these uh, listed companies, they are actually using something like this. Four will be decentralized with non-operational data. In this deployment scenario, multiple administrators will, from different consortium members, control the database. Intermediaries are here to help clients access data in the database. This approach increases the speed and privacy as there's, number, as there's a limited number of clients accessing to the whole blockchain. For example, companies that hold personal information and sales detail that might not require by the outsider party and the affiliate organization are not allowed directly to the database. So again, these are scenarios that you need to understand, and from there you can try to make a certain sound decision. Blockchain database design. So there are two main issues that are 
phase in, if one thinks of using the blockchain as a database. The blockchain contains transactional data but has very limited querying capability. To validate a block in the blockchain, the majority of nodes needs to uh, approve it. The more there, the more there are, the more time it needs to validate the, of the block. Pros and cons, yeah. Instead of using a blockchain uh, as a database, it is advisable to take an existing database and then add the blockchain feature on top of it. So this is a very um, a more sound approach. Why am I saying this? Is because many of us pay millions on legacy systems. You know, it will be quite upsetting to change everything into blockchain because at the end it doesn't make sense at all. So this is a this is how I really look at it. You know, so here two database layers are used. First layer uh, used as a lightweight consensus protocol that can provide data integrity with uh, good performance for querying. So I think this answers one of the questions. The second layer uses the POW uh, consensus uh, mechanism to store the evidence of database operations for the first layer. Then the two layers are then connected together. Um, thus creating the evidence of validating the data from the first layer. So this again closely goes back to what we talked about uh, at the ministry yesterday and this can be one of the many solutions or one of the many ways you can look at uh, getting involved or getting started you know with a with a blockchain within the ministry challenges in uh, building blockchain database uh, querying um, capability scalability low output high latency all right we have to really Emphasize on these few points, you know, blockchain is not everything, not everything needs to be on blockchain, but if you are set with the mindset of trying out the technology, certain parts of your database or certain database collection process, you need people to, to agree, you need people to, to validate, I think you can try. You know, but you have to understand there are disadvantages. Top five uh, blockchain-based database. You know, um, why am I sharing this? Is because you know, as you move towards a more um, operational stage or, or ideation stage, you will meet with many different kind of contractor, supplier, experts. It will come with a lot of different jargon, you know. So I hope what we do now will give you a good background, you know, let you ask them more questions so that they will not get too carried away and think that they are experts. All of you are experts because all of you are engineers, database experts, you know the basic, you know what to do. So I just want to share a bit more so that when you meet some of them, you can ask more questions. So one would be by BigchainDB. So this is a blockchain-based uh, database provided by MongDB uh, that enable one to add the decentralized and blockchain qualities to it. They are immutable, tamper-proof, database is decentralized, and is stored in the BigchainDB. So this is the first one. 
Cassandra. So this uh, is another open source uh, on a NoSQL distributed data database. Some of you will be very familiar with this. Uh, it's a distributed database, fault tolerant due to the distributed nature, as there's no single point of failure. They use the language of C CQL. So if you're familiar, you know what to do. This is not a stranger to any one of you. Trainified database uh, is encrypted between the plug database. This database can be seamlessly plugged into any database without affecting the application running on the database. So this <coughs> will be a very straightforward way you, when you use it to integrate your current databases. Modex BCDB is a middleware software product that provides a plug-and-play approach for organization. Um, they offer real-time ex uh, experience of data protection. It's a combination of a traditional and blockchain databases. Uh, they support multiple databases, provide security, simultaneously managing the data. So this is also very similar to what uh, Rajesh was uh, trying to share in his uh, uh, opening remarks uh, a few hours ago. But uh, this is to a context where these are, you know, these these are used in the public, you know. So for your good reference, Postchain. This is a plat blockchain platform developed by Chrome. Chromebike in Sweden. Uh, it's a modular based uh, framework database used for implementing custom database stored in uh, SQL. Um, the transactions are not written to the database via SQL codes. So there are a lot of different uh, things that you can choose from, a lot of different things that you can really think about. So, one, one word for myself, you know, is um, I think blockchain databases brings the concept one step further to combine the best of both worlds. Why am I saying this is that number one, as I mentioned, it is uh, kind of pointless to change everything to a blockchain database. You know, banks are not doing that. You know, banks are only trying to facilitate part of their whole banking process with data uh, blockchain. So if you are already very well versed and know what you want in your current uh, database or in your EIS, for example, then think about how you can use different layers or use some new protocol to connect your current database with new blockchain database that can value add to your whole process. You know, just do not add that blockchain for the sake of adding it. You know, if you know what you're doing, then the best of both worlds are actually very good. Uh, the future belongs to these who believe in the beauty of your dreams. If you believe in, in, in blockchain, if you think that this can be done, you can give it a try. You know why not? Okay, something is wrong, but um, is this the end of the database? Uh, yeah, but, but what I really really want to bring this through is because we have uh, three days, you know, so I have, uh, I have taken the time to break down all the different kind of uh, scenario with all of you. You know, if you are seeing throughout the whole three days, you know, I will also bring out some of these uh, use case studies that I personally uh, are involved with the government. 
and some of these use cases that are already in the market that are very uh, acceptable. You know, it could be a healthcare, an example. It could be a, um, a digital ID example. So there are a lot of these things that are already in the market. So I just want to uh, end off with this. You know, if you if you believe in the beauty of the dreams. If you think that the blockchain is uh, going to be in the future, try your best to see what you can do. You know, um, happy to take some questions if, if, if need be. If not, I can also move on to the next um, to the next one. Can we move on to the, the next uh, section? So, yeah, sure. Let's do that. So, so at the end of the, the workshop, you know, I hope to really meet up with more people, you know, answer your question uh, face to face, um, see what exactly blockchain is able to help you in your particular sector and organization. So I will go on to the second part, you know, uh, of, of this uh, workshop. Potential of the blockchain database structure and its distributed efficiency increase in the public sector. So these these are things that are these are things that that, that you have in, in, in mind. Because it's block, our blockchain is efficient. Uh, our blockchain cost effective. I'll try to answer some of this. According to the top analyst, not me. Uh, I'm far from being an analyst. Blockchain will probably enable the finance sector to pay, save up to 20 billion each year. So the question is, uh, why is blockchain so useful in the public sector and government organizations? Do you think it's useful? Any anyone have any thoughts? Anyone thinks that it is useful? Put up a hand. Thank you. Um, so I, I assume that maybe most people are just thinking, you know, what exactly is blockchain? Is it really important for the government sector? Well, my answer is yes and no, right? So number one, distributed and decentralized. So blockchain offers a distributed system operation, thus removing the single point of failure. You know, I, I kept emphasizing on the same points because these are actually the core fundamental things that you really need to understand. Okay, the transactions are verified, updated in an instant across all parties. Transactions are verified within days. Blockchain is considered to be the future because the time for successful transaction is measured in minutes, not in hours or days. The banking system can take its operation to the next level and drastically improve the satisfaction of end customer by leveraging on smart contracts and transferring funds extremely quickly. I think quickly is a quick quickly is a very subjective word. But if you just imagine, you know, banking running 24-7 using blockchain technology to do the tailings. You know, that makes a big difference. Because if you become 24 7, you can, you can operate 24 7, and using smart contract to also cut down on cost, you know, cut down on a lot of um, uh, 
stressful procedures, smart contract can actually be triggered to help you to automate certain tasks to a certain level. Immutable and irreversible. So each transaction is um, is not you, you can't really alter it. All transactions include time, date, participant um, are all going to be fixed on the, on, on the block. You, you will not be changed. Question, question, how can blockchain be used in the public sector? Any idea? Who's, I mean, within your department, anyone of you think that blockchain can be, can be used in a certain manner? Anyone with some thoughts? Don't worry, I will try to answer some of them. So, identity verification can be used to keep tabs of uh, numerous identities of the citizens of the country, um, securing them on the ledger and allowing for quick access. Citizens can use the blockchain to easily gain access to birth certificate, ID, visa, driving license, and so forth. So this, this all this has really been done. Um, I will touch on the use case uh, later on. Uh, I think, like I mentioned also uh, in the morning, you know, Estonia has done this very well. Many other countries are also adopting the same kind of methodology and thinking. Some of them are in Southeast Asia as well. Uh, they are going through a, a numerous pilot, pilot trial. Uh, I, I can't disclose too much. Um, it's not public information. But government, public sector are using blockchain technology to try to keep track of IDs and so forth. You know, we, we, we have done a similar uh, exercise with uh, the Canadian government. You know, so we are some of, in some of the states, they are still using health cards that are not digitized, no, no, no image. So the same guy by the name of Andy, as long as I'm a guy, I can pass the same uh, benefit card to another friend of mine, which is also a guy, to go to do some treatment, and it's all being funded by the government. So such a process will actually <coughs> increase a lot of healthcare costs for the government, and if part of this can be on chain, you know, then you will reduce that kind of fall. You know, you just imagine, you know, if you are a dentist, I did a root canal here. If it's on, on blockchain, on your on your medical records, if you go to another another uh, uh, dentist, you know, they will also expect to see that you have a root canal, right? So if you don't have the root canal, well, after they scan you, this means that you are fake. But how are you going to validate well, all this data? You could actually try to implement some of this uh, this solution, you know, on on blockchain itself. Personal records, you know, blockchain can be uh, uh, enabled, you know, for personal health records, financial records, insurance records. All these things are very important, you know. Once it's it's been recorded, you can't change it. If you want to change it, all the changes can be tracked. You know, so if today you have you suffer from from a flu, you know, or you suffer from certain diseases or illness, you know, you there's no way you can remove it. You know, right now in the system in many different countries, they are all kind of also decentralized. The record is kept with a doctor A, uh, but if you go to doctor B, doctor B will not know what's going to happen and so forth. Again, with a blockchain database solution, that's going to change. That will change how things are, and that actually increases. Efficiency. 
benefits and entitlements, smart contracts, which is an uh, important part of blockchain, can be used for domestic and international aid, medical benefits, and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of cross-border uh, help and, 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 and payment. You know, so for for example, for myself and together with some of our friends, um, you know, there were there were earthquakes and so forth. So what we what we do is that we will gather a few of our friends, you know, and then we send the money using cryptocurrency to the volunteer in the disaster area. They will get the first hand of uh, of help, fast money from, from from where we are trying to contribute to disaster. So this is not only for government, you know, people like myself, some of our friends, we are already doing that. Fastest way. To, to, to help you know, in any disaster, to be honest. Land title registry, citizens can assess a uh, wide range of uh, historical records related to property transaction via the blockchain. Public institution would also be able to use this huge database for proper security measures. These are, again, very real. You know, in some countries, the title deeds of the housing, the property, the real estate, they are all in a mess. So if they are all in a mess, we are very honest and if they really want to clean things up, this could be a, 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 good, a good way to, to keep record, record of uh, all the things. Supply chain, uh, inventory and management. Um, I'm actually personally involved in uh, one, of the, uh, one, of the, one of the states. Um, we have converted um, and digitize the whole supply chain. Um, all the supply chain element from uh, tracking the product, from uh, tracing where the products are, when it's going to be produced, when it's being shipped out, you know, uh, how is it being shipped out, all these things are all, all kept, kept on chain. You know, and it is a, a very good reference point for for, for the company, it's a very good reference point for the, the governmental organizations as well. Vendor management, you know, tracking and paying vendor. Um, this is also another thing, you know, in government, you, know, you, you, you work with many different vendors, very many different suppliers, so you could also use the blockchain technology to, to do the tracking. You know, especially when you, when you touch money, payments, these are all very sensitive. Right, in centralized database, a lot of these things can be erased, you know. But if you do this on the blockchain, all the changes that you have made, you know, maybe it was a hundred thousand now become uh, one million. All these changes that you have made are all being shown on, on the chain. So this kind of record keeping is actually very important. Streamline. Interagency processes, smart contract and blockchain technology can be used to automate transaction, handling and enhance information sharing between the public institutions. This can enable public bodies to repurpose their available resources, uh, spend on interagency transaction and let them focus on their own mission. So these are also things that are happening. Uh, it could be between two separate uh, uh, public uh, agencies between um, different ministries as well. Tax collection and public budget distribution. The physical uh, authority make, can make use of smart contract to instantly collect the tax and then redistribute the funds into the pre-planned 
in a very transparent manner. This has been a, one, of, uh, one of the key topics that, um, that I was involved in. You know, um, a governmental organization, they want, uh, or ministries, you know, they want to keep track of um, all the standards. They want to keep track how much to tax uh, the various, various companies and so forth. So if, if, you, if you can add in a certain element of a smart contract within your, your, your system, not only will you look at tax, you can also pick up some irregularities you know, from, from, from the companies or irregular, irregular spending and so forth. All these things can be tracked and automated through a smart contract basis. And adding on to this, there's a full transparency. Uh, people, you know, the citizens, they are more aware of where the funds really went to and how it is being deployed, when it is being used. So all these things are part of the whole process. You know, in time to come, you know, when CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency, or money being digitized uh, are put into uh, context and enforced into the different countries, you know, all these things are going to be 1,000% traceable. You know, there's no way you can get away. You know, so again, uh, some of you might have heard of this term CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency, all these things makes traceability almost uh, flawless. Voting and e-participation, voters can make the most out of blockchain technology to vote. While government can ensure accuracy in terms of counting, voting, and they also want to be very transparent, you know. Citizens can propose new regulations, can be engaged in decision making, you know, through a hybrid uh, platforms, um, using both uh, Web3 blockchain technology, Web2 technology, it's a full integration. So you, you might have seen some countries uh, who are using blockchain to do uh, e-voting. I think that is fantastic, you know, because this gives a fair bit of transparency. And to be very honest, you know, in some countries, you know, all this voting can be, can be used, you know, can be misused. So if you have a blockchain technology implemented in the correct manner, voting is being take place in a more transparent manner, this would be a super good use case you know, for everybody. International shipment, this is a part and parcel of the whole supply chain ecosystem. Um, you know, by using a secure ledger that is distributed among each participant, blockchain enhances data transparency, improved inspection rates, you know, record keeping for all inbound, outbound shipments and so forth. These are all good for proper record keeping. You know, so if you are in the business or if, you, if your department has a lot of um, things to keep track of, a lot of approval, you know, tons of a payment approval process, it's the same thing, you know, this can be used. This, this, uh, this uh, uh, use case, you know, has been also adopted in some of these uh, shipping authority uh, in some countries. So case study uh, for Estonia, you know, so they, they, they did a lot on, um, on database, they did a lot on uh, how database are being implemented, you know, they are also one of the the commonly used use case uh, whenever we talk about um, public usage of, uh, of blockchain. 
protection of critical data. Anyone who uses the public services is right, rightly worried. Despite agencies' best efforts to protect existing criminal might gain access to government database, steal or manipulate the data. In 2015, uh, for instance, hackers obtain personal data, uh, social security numbers, fingerprint, employment history. About 20 million individuals will affect it. Encryption method can never be 100% safe. Right. But blockchain technology can make similar breaches a great deal and more difficult to achieve. Uh, I'd like to also quote this, you know, my Prime Minister from Singapore, you know, he got his uh, health record hacked. And same goes for all some, some citizens as well. So if you have the blockchain technology and if you really want to protect your, your, your data, this is a very good use case. So in uh, Estonia they have this uh, keyless signature infrastructure. So for Estonia, for example, is rolling out technology called Keyless Signature Infrastructure KSI to protect safeguard all public sector database. This is an open case study for all of you who want to find out more, you could definitely Google about that. KSI creates hash values, which uniquely represent huge amount of data as much smaller numeric values. The hash value can be used to identify records but cannot be used to reconstruct the information in the file itself. So there's a certain level of restriction, there's a certain level of permission. The hash value are stored in the blockchain and distributed across a private network of government computers. So this is again, you know, work very much aligned with what I see from the ESI perspective. So, stored in a blockchain distributed across various ministries and government. Whenever an underlying file changes, a new hash value is uh, available on chain. The information can no longer be changed. This is how, how, they, how they structure it. The history of each record is uh, fully transparent and unauthorized tampering from within or without the system can be detected and prevented. Anyway, they, they, they cannot access to it at all. Efficiency level, I think, um, is, is kind of subjective, but uh, KSI itself allows government officials to monitor changes within various databases. You know, to change the, the record, what changes can be implemented and what they are being, how, how they are made. So the electronic health records, of all Estonians, citizens can be managed using the KSI technology, and the country is planning to make KSI available to all government agencies, private sector uh, companies in the country. So this is a very big move, right? They have trialed, they have tested, now they are going to open it up a little bit by little bit, right? So same case for the uh, ESI. Uh, these are some of the things that you could consider. These are some of the factors that you can look at, you know, and if we have time, we could sit down and really deep dive into some of these uh, case studies that I'm going to share in the next few days. So blockchain technology is a matter of, of when, not if. You know, what, what I'm saying is, is um, 
some of my friends would be saying that, you know, for block, blockchain nowadays, you know, nobody is really talking about it. Well, but nobody's talking about it because it is already implemented in the background. Right? It's just like you are using a phone, the same example that I gave. Who, 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 is gonna, who wants to talk about the GSM network? Right? Nobody's going to talk about it anymore because it's part and parcel of your whole experience, part and parcel of the whole phone system. So it's the same thing, you know, it's not about whether you need it, when you need it, and so forth. Eventually, as time goes by, things will change and, and eventually adopted some parts of what you are doing using a database, using a blockchain database. So this is something that really is in the works. This is something that listed companies are looking at it very closely. Uh, governmental organizations, you know, whether it's from a welfare perspective or whether they are from a uh, more taxation perspective, you know, they have set up special task force just to look at it, you know. So I think from the Ministry of uh, Technology, you should really think about setting up a certain task force to look at how feasible new technology is going to help. You just imagine if you are doing up a new system and you have a way to start afresh, you know, would you use blockchain technology? Would you add in a certain level of artificial intelligence on top of, of it? Will smart contracts on blockchain with added AI capability change how you look at databases and how you manage the database? These are things that you really need to ask yourself. You know, I, I can't give you all the answers, but if you can spend some time to look at things in a really simple manner, simple and smart manner, you could actually get a very clear sense of what you can do with blockchain technology. Just always remember, it is not about how you do it. It is not about how much you need to spend to do it. It's not about blockchain being trendy. It is about whether you see the value and how you are going to use it. That is the most important thing. You know, do not just change your system and in block changes because your next door neighbor is doing it. You know, you have to find a purpose to see what else can be adopted to better your current system. I think that, that, is, the, that is the main thing. So another case study that I want to share is uh, Sweden. Digital property ownership. The process of owning and transferring assets, whether physical property or financial instruments, typically involves multiple interactions and long paper trail. Government organizations could meaningfully cut down on both digitizing information about asset ownership and storing it on blockchain registers. Consider the emerging use of blockchain technology by the Swedish government. Again, this is a real case study. Just really want to share and let you know countries are really pushing this through. So when it comes to uh, real estate transaction in Sweden, the stakes are high. The cumulative value of all property in the country is currently more than 11 trillion, or roughly three times the value of the whole uh, Swedish uh, GDP. Yet the registration and transfer of property remain uh, an enormous task. Country Land Register uh, Authority, they explore ways to digitize the whole process. It is prototyping 
a mobile app that could provide transaction space for seller and buyer as well as their real estate agents and bank. So all these transactions will be kept on the on-chain. Whatever that you are trying to buy, whatever that you are trying to value, you know, or the valuation of the house, everything will be on-chain. So you cannot be a case where today is one dollar, the next day is uh, ten cents. You know, so everything is all tracked. You know, it's not about what you say, it's all about facts and proof. So a blockchain will record the details information on the transaction being sold as well as each step in the sales. Communication among the parties in the sale will also be more transparent. So you just imagine the whole process right now. You know what's happening. You know, you know every single set of, of the sales, from the previous sales, current sales, all this history can be tracked. Paper documentation, typically hundreds of pages long, will become a lot simpler, right? When implemented, the app is expected to reduce the time to complete the sale from three months to six, from six months, from three to six months to just a few days, and in some cases, just a few hours. To be very honest, I think it should be a few hours, uh, because if, when you buy a property, you know, sometimes you just need to have that few uh, important uh, detail, right? So if you can reduce from uh, six months to just a few hours, I think this is a really big achievement, you know, within the, the, the student uh, economy. And again, all these things are in the works. Real case study, real use case. It is not whether you will use the blockchain, but when you will use it. So this goes back to the same point, you know, is when you will use it, how you will use it, you know, at which point you use it, you know. But again, coming back to the seven terabyte of data that, we, that, that, that I got to know of, you know, the first thing that I told the, the vice gentleman is that, you know, there's no need for you to do this from the ministry level. From the ministry level, if you want to access the data in a, in a, in a fast manner, you have to be centralized, right? And if it's centralized, it gives you the speed, that's cool. But then, blockchain, where can blockchain be implemented? It can be implemented during the collection of data. It can be implemented in different stages of the data collection uh, process. So, you've got to understand where you really need it, how you're going to, how you're going to use it. You know, this can be a really good tool for, for public schools as well, right? Just a very simple thing, you have a degree, you have a, maybe a master's degree, you can put all this information on chain. When your employer wants to check on your on your CV, on your, on your credential, all these things can be tracked back on chain. This is already something that's implemented in the Singapore government. Um, and I think this is a very easy use case for everybody to really look at it. This can also be you know, use the current uh, EIS, uh, ESI um, uh, framework, and again, you know, do, do it step by step. When you want to use it, just try your best to understand, do it step by step. Baby steps will actually help a lot in the whole process, you know, um, especially when you talk about, uh, you know, um, governmental uh, adoption. It is, it is really, really, not easy. So this is the end of my uh, slides for workshop two. You know, 
like I mentioned, it, it would be good if we can have some uh, uh, sessions, if, if time permits, you know, we can have some small discussion uh, together to see what kind of uh, good use cases uh, is suited, you know, for the public sector or for, for, the, for the government. You know, then from there, you know, every, everyone will benefit, you know, from, uh, from this whole process and from this whole training course, right? So with that, thank you so much. If you have any question, you can put up a hand, you know, we can have a good discussion. If not, again, when time permits, we can all break out into uh, smaller groups to really brainstorm how, where would you like blockchain to be implemented within your current workspace. With that, thank you. Thank you.